We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, for all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Well, there's some fantastic truths in there about what we as Christians hold fast to. There's some things that might provoke some questions in there, but we'll uh, get to those questions as well as we work through this as a series. So stay with us and we'll get to we'll get to there as well. I'm going to introduce Walter, who's going to be speaking to us. He gives 100 percent. Him and his family serve our church so, so well. So I really do want to just um, honour him and say, uh, we love him. We love their, their their sacrifice that they make as they serve us. They really, really do give everything um, for our church, and, and we love them very much. And so, Fata, over to you, my friend. We we have open hearts to hear what you're going to say to us this morning. Thank you so much, Phil. That's uh, so kind of you, and uh, how wonderful to see you all again for our Zoom service. Uh, it's our great privilege to continue in the Crete where we are, and as you know, the creed has been written to try and summarize the Christian faith. What do we believe in? And in a season where there is much unknown, we want to lay hold of the truths that have ever been known and uh, hold on to that, what Jesus has won for us. And today we're in a section of the creed, and I'll just read it for you, where it says, For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day he rose again in accordance with Scripture. It's been absolutely amazing seeing the songs today being full of truth about Jesus' death and his resurrection and the life that he has won for us. And today I want to look at a couple of different things with you. I want to look at why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he rose again? And really, what does that mean for us when we get to lay hold of the new life that Jesus won for us? What does that mean for us? Well, the first thing to say is that Jesus laid down his life 
for us. And uh, he did that as a gift. But the very first gift of life was given by God to Adam and Eve. When he created the world, he breathed the breath of life into their nostrils and he gave them life and it was a gift. Now that gift was given to them to glorify God, to make much of God. And what Adam and Eve did was they took the life that God had given them and they took it as their own. Rather than receiving the gift and giving glory to God, they received the gift and took it as their own and brought glory to themselves. And what happened was at that moment in time, uh, it ceased to be a gift and they had taken something. And in order to take something that is not yours, you will have to pay it back. Now, a very simple example would be a house. Uh, we've recently bought a house. Uh, this is a little model uh, of our house. And uh, we, we obviously went to the bank to ask for a mortgage to be able to buy that house. Now, you could say that we have bought the house that we currently live in that is ours. I mean, it's true, our signature are on the contracts. But the reality is that probably 90% uh, of this house is owned by the bank. And as soon as I stop paying back the money, to the bank, they will come and knock on my door and says, uh, I'm very sorry, 90% of this house is ours. We would like it back, please. And what happens when we try to lay hold of life for ourselves, the gift that God has given us, the truth is that the life that he's given us, a bit like a house, isn't really ours at all. It's his. And what happens when we take something that's not ours, we need to pay it back. And really what happened right at the start when Adam and Eve took that what was not theirs, was that the payback came into this world, which is death. Death really is the payback for a life that we've taken. If we've taken a life that's not ours, we have to give that life back. And that ultimately is where death came into being. Now, the problem is that God is still a giver. He loves us. He wants to give us life. He has given that life and he does not want us to die. But he also is righteous, he is good and perfect, and he cannot overlook anything that is sinful or wrong. I mean, in order to do so would mean to condone sin and to condone um, uh, uh, the, the very thing that he is not. He can't do that. So how would God resolve his love for his people and yet not for us to be able to find life? How would he be a giver but also a righteous judge? Well, it says in Scripture that, that he came up with a solution and obviously he didn't come up with it because he had already planned it long before creation was started but he had planned to become human to enter into the world to be able to give his life as a ransom for everyone and therefore he was God able to live perfectly Jesus came into this being uh, as fully God but also he came into this world as fully man because God cannot lay down his life he doesn't have a, have a life in that sense. He, he doesn't have a natural life to give. He, he is God. He cannot die. But Jesus became man in order for us to receive his life and to die for us. Now, Jesus had no sin. He lived a perfect life, and yet he laid down that life as a gift for us. And what happened was through the gift of his life, we have received life. Now, you could probably liken it a little bit back to my illustration of the house. If I uh, was to get into problems and I couldn't pay back the bank and they would come knocking at my door and they would say, we need that money, please. We want your house back. Uh, if somebody else was to sell their house and gave me the money of their house and said, I will pay for your house. Here is the gift. That would be a little bit like Jesus giving his life for my life. It's a free gift that he has given to us in order to be able to receive the gift that he has for us. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just have an earthly life to give up. He had a divine life that he gave up. So he isn't like Barclays knocking on my door saying, we want the house back. 
and, um, and, and him selling a house. He's much more like the director of Barclays. He's the one who sells the whole bank in order to uh, pay for my debt, and not just for my debt, in order for him to pay uh, to, to sell the bank, uh, means that he has given his life as a ransom for everyone, which means that he can pay everyone's debt. And therefore, the life that he gave up paid for the debt of all of us, which is absolutely remarkable. I don't know about you, but when we were singing this morning, I got so excited about the truth that Jesus has given up his life as a ransom for all of us. Now, the creed continues to say that he was killed under Pontius Pilate, and that's totally true. But the fact is that is not the whole truth. There were more people involved in Jesus' death. You see, uh, Judas betrayed him, the Jews plotted against him, and then Pilate agreed to it. But it doesn't stop there. Because all of us owe a debt to God. We, uh, in some way or form, have not lived the perfect life and therefore owe our lives to God as well. We are also guilty of Jesus' death. Because he died for us, he gave his life for us, we are also guilty of his death. Now, John Stott says, we won't understand what the cross has done for us before we understand that it was done by us. Perhaps a little bit hard to hear. Uh, you think, when, when does the good news start to come in? Well, the truth is that like a good book, you will really need to get the plot and go through the dark chapters to understand the unfolding and the revelation of the ending and that is what Jesus ultimately has done for us now Jesus lived a life that was perfect he never sinned and then when he laid down his life he broke the power of death and we've seen that already in the song this morning that we sang it says death could not hold him you see because Jesus um, laid down his life willingly and he laid down his perfect life willingly death was not able to keep hold of him you see death is a payment back to God for the life that we owe him yet Jesus lived his life perfect obedience to the father so therefore he did not have a debt to pay he only had a gift to give and when Jesus gave the gift of his life what happened was that death could not hold him because death was not the payment for his life he willingly laid it aside and therefore he was resurrected again his death really broke the power of death because it was a perfect life and Probably the best way to illustrate this is with the story of Narnia. I don't know about you, but I love the stories of Narnia. And in the story, Edmund betrays the Narnians and uh, his siblings. And what happens according to the rules of Narnia is that Edmund becomes a traitor. He needs to die in order uh, to pay back that penalty. And what Aslan does is the lion, who's a god figure in the story, he says, no, I will take his place. I will die in his place. And therefore, when he died, uh, he again laid down a perfect life and broke the power of the rules that uh, were in Narnia. And uh, this really is what Jesus has accomplished for us. The story of Narnia is very much a symbolic story. And uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, it says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And what we can see is that Jesus dying on the cross for us really becomes the pattern of our lives. Death had lost its grip on uh, Jesus and had to give him up and therefore he was risen from the dead. But also the Christian life now is lived in the, in the same pattern. The death and resurrection of Christ is very much the pattern in which we get to live. Now, first of all, we start our journey off by being baptized if we put our trust in Jesus, which means we go under the water, we die to our old self, so to say, we're kind of buried under the water, and then we're risen again out of the waters to be taken up in the new life that Jesus has for us. It's very much a symbolism. Now, 
This life is very much a life that we receive in an instant. The new life is something that we immediately receive. But the way that we receive it is slightly different than you might imagine. You see, the way that we receive that new life, although it's completely our straight away, will be much more like some seeds. As you can see, there's some little seeds here. Um, if you were to uh, eat an apple, like little seeds in the core, um, and uh, I was to say to you, I'm going to give you an apple tree because you love apples. Um, if I was to just give you a little seed, in truth, I've given you an apple tree because this seed has the reality of becoming a, a, a real life tree. But in order for that real life to become reality, you need to put it in the ground, you need to water it, you need to tend to it, and then it will start to grow. Well, very much like this new nature that we've received, we receive it instantly. Everything that we need is there. But we need to learn how to plant it in our lives to be able to live it out, to water it, and then it will start to grow. And this becomes very much the, the battle of the new life is we've got the old life that still tries to lay a claim on us. And then we've got the new life that we receive in Jesus that we try to get hold of. So how do we live in this tension between the old and the new? Well, much of the New Testament is written to try and explain that. And really what happens is that when we learn how to let uh, uh, the old nature down and take up the new nature, there really is a certain death required in the process. And this perhaps might be a little bit difficult to hear, but if you are going to try to hold on to your old life and do the new life at the same time, you're going to really, really struggle. Because what will happen is you will try and do all the things that Jesus has won for us and the whole uh, reality of the new life. But what happens is the more you get hold of the new life, the old life gets squashed, gets squeezed, and it will start to become angry and upset. You see, the more that you give away from yourself, the lesser there is left to the old self, and the old self will start to argue with you. Now, just to make this clear, for example, if I try to do all the right things, I get up in the morning, spend some time with God, I'm, I do my work well, I'm patient with my kids. At the end of the day, I might come to a point where I tuck the kids in bed and I go, oh, I'm glad I've done all of that. I've done well today. And then I sit on the sofa and I'm thinking, I'm going to have a little bit of time to myself. And what usually happens, I don't know about you, but when I sit down to have a little bit of that time to myself, there's a disruption that happens. One of my kids comes downstairs and says, oh, I can't sleep. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm struggling. Uh, uh, and, and I feel my old self starting to cringe in me thinking, well, this is my time. This is something that belongs to me. I'm supposed to have this little bit here. That's mine. Um, and what happens is I become angry. I become frustrated. I, go back to bed and rather than giving more of myself and more lovingly and more um, patiently following Jesus' example, I get squashed. And, and this is what happens when we try to do the old nature and the new nature at the same time. Now, what happens if we keep living in that tension is, is, is one of two things. Either way, we give up and think, well, this new life is not attainable. I mean, I've tried it and it's not happening to me. Or we could go, um, we'd, we'd just kind of give in to all the things that Jesus wants us to do, but become really unhappy because we feel we've lost ourselves. And the truth is that Jesus has come in order to kill the old self, not to diminish it or not to try and whittle it down. He's really come to kill the old self in us in order for the new self to be risen. And then if we cooperate in this process, it really is easy. But it's also very, very hard, both at the same time. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, which really means dying to yourself. And then he says, my, my yoke is light and my burden is easy. Um, uh, what does he mean? Like, how can it be both difficult and easy at the same time? Well, 
if we learn how to let the old self die, if we learn how to live in the new self, we, we, we find that our will and God's will starts to become aligned. When our will is, is, is put to death and, and, and we grasp hold of God's will, the two will become one and our desires will become God's desires. God's desires will become our desires. And at that moment, when these two come together, this is where the yoke becomes easy and the burden becomes light because Jesus has done it all for us and he loves us so much that he, he does that with us. He stands next to us to help us. The Holy Spirit works in us to, to work that from the inside out. And when we learn how to lay this down, which is a hard thing, and we become one, this is where Jesus' joy starts to flood our hearts. His love starts to fill us up. And this is where uh, Ephesians talks about the fact that we can learn how to put on this new self. And this is the process in which we learn how to grow in it. It says in Ephesians 4 verse 24, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And it's really a bit of a, a dressing up game, as you would like to say. It's learning how to put on the new self, um, which means that we might perhaps not fully be the new self yet, but by learning to put it on, we learn how to become like that. Now, the, the, the best example that I could think of was my kids. My kids love to play with their dollies, um, and uh, every good dad will need to learn how to play with them. And uh, what they will do in their nature is they will pretend to be mummies, and they would love their babies and take care of them, feed them, and look after them. Now, are they truly mummies? No. Is this a real baby? No. Um, but the process of them learning and pretending to be mummies and pretending for this to be a, a new baby is it forms skills in them that will prepare them for the future when they do become true mothers and have true babies. So you can see that by playing, they will learn to get hold of this new nature that will uh, that is to come. And in the same way, we can learn how to play this new nature, to say irreverently, and to learn how to grow in it. So you may not feel calm, you may not feel patient when your child comes downstairs and you come to the end of the day, but by you acting calmly and patiently, you will quickly find that your heart will start to align. By putting to death one, you'll start to get hold of the other. And when we receive that new self, it will then start to grow in us. It will start to, when we start to act like it, it will start to grow. So. No point in sitting around until you feel like it. It's learning how to put it into action so you can grow into this new life, into this new self, and truly become saints, because that's what Jesus has already won for us. We are saints just at the moment as we receive Christ, and then we grow to become more like saints in the process of living in our true nature. We don't have to live perfectly in order to somehow become saints. It's we have made saints and now we're learning how to live like some. And that's really what Jesus has come to win for us. And um, uh, the, the, the beautiful nature of this kind of pretend play is that it works both ways because we learn how to become saints. But the father also approaches us as if we're saints. He approaches us as if we're truly sons like he is already. He looks at us and he sees in us Christ. He doesn't look at us and then see ourselves, but he chooses to see Christ in us. And really what happens is that that in us starts to grow the new self. It's a little bit like a mother starting to talk to a newborn. As soon as she starts to talk to the newborn, she talks to the newborn as if it understands her. And the reality is that it doesn't understand a word what it's saying just yet. But by continuing to talk to it, it starts to develop language and it starts to develop an understanding and a relationship. 
And at the moment where it does start to talk, all that stuff that's been put in will start to come out. Now, at what point does it start to understand? What point can it talk by itself? Um, that's a little bit of a mystery. But the reality is that God speaks to us as children, even if we don't behave like children sometimes. He speaks to us as sons of God, as saints, even if we don't behave like saints sometimes. He loves us so much. And as he speaks to us, as we draw close and he addresses us like that, we will start to grow in that nature and become like him. Now, just like a child starts to babble and chat, uh, the father is excited when you make your first moves, when you learn how to obey him and when you learn how to follow his lead. He's happy, he's excited when you start to pick up your Bible and, and read on a daily basis or start to pray or make your first attempt to forgive someone or your first attempt to uh, try and be patient. He absolutely loves that. Does that mean that he is satisfied when you've done just that? No, absolutely not. The father is very easily pleased, but it's very hard to satisfy. You see, he is not aiming for a little improvement. He is aiming for perfection. He is aiming for sainthood, and therefore he is growing you to become a true son. And he will never stop. It's a little bit like uh, you might have a, a toothache and all you want is an aspirin. Well, uh, God does not just want to give you an aspirin to make you feel a little bit better. He's going to take you to the dentist. He's going to get that tooth out and he's going to help you to learn how to become healthy and grow. Jesus might uh, might take just the, the little finger that you offer, offer, but he's not going to stop there. He's going to take your whole hand. He wants to take your whole self and he wants to create a new self. Uh, as C.S. Lewis says, it's a little bit like... You give him your house and he starts to redecorate it and then he starts to bash it around and you think you're being transformed into a little cottage. But the truth is Jesus is building a palace for himself because that's where he wants to live in. And my friends, that's you and me. Jesus wants to be building a palace of a life in you, of a saint, uh, so that you can be a light to the world around you and so that he can come and dwell in you and his glory might be manifest, not just for now, but for eternity. And so really... The, the death and the resurrection of Christ becomes the pattern of the Christian life, laying down the old and getting hold of the new. And my friends, if you feel discouraged today, if you've been trying to get hold of the new, but you haven't really been able to left, leave behind the old, be encouraged. Jesus is with you. He's standing next to you. The Holy Spirit is working in you. You're not alone. He's going to help you, but it's not going to come easy. It's going to mean learning how to put to death those selfish things and it's learning how to lay hold of the new things that Jesus has for us. And then it says in Romans 6 verse 10 that the same power that rose Jesus from the death now lives in us. This is where we draw our confidence from. He will transform us. When we put us in his hands, death has lost its grip on us. Sin has lost its grip on us. And we learn how to live like true sons because we are true sons. Well, I hope you are encouraged by this. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time just to pray for us together. And uh, I want you to just um, spend some time with me just to pray through leaving behind our old self and getting hold of the new self. So I want you to close your hands, uh, close your eyes, open your hands and um, uh, just picture in front of you your old self. What are some of the things that you find really difficult to let go of? Perhaps it might be fear, it might be anxiety. And uh, I, wanna, I want you to spend some time just asking Jesus, what is it underneath here in my old self that I'm struggling to let go? And I just want you to have a little chat with Jesus about that. Just let him highlight anything that you perhaps feel like you're struggling with. 
to let him highlight anything in your life that he wants to change. Now, what Jesus wants to do is not, he does not want to manage that. He wants to break it. He wants to kill it. He wants to completely resolve this for you. And uh, I just want you, in your mind, to hand over, if you are ready, that what you are struggling with to Jesus. Give what you are struggling to let go of, your old things, your old self, give that to Jesus. Just in your heart, surrender that. And as you let that go, I want to encourage you to open your hands to receive a new gift, a new part of life from Jesus. And I want you to ask Jesus, what is it that you want to give me in return? Just let him speak to you. Anything that comes to mind, just go with it. I want to encourage you to receive that. And I want to encourage you over this coming week is to continue to do this. Imagine that thing, because that will thing that you've just handed over will come and find you again. And every time you turn it back to God again, every time you turn it back to God again and receive from him again what he wants to give you. Every time you feel like you're struggling, go and do this again. Every time this, this pattern of death and resurrection is what Jesus wants to bring to you to really complete you. And uh, Jesus, I want to pray for my friends. I want to pray that this week you will help us, Lord, to let go of the old nature and to really lay hold of the new nature. Help us to even sometimes when it feels unreal and almost like pretending like this is not us, Lord, help us to, 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 to lay hold of that what you have for us, Lord, to lay hold of the things that you have given us. Thank you. That is a free gift in its totality being won for us. And all we need to do is to cash in the check and say, Jesus, I want that new life that you have for me and I want to live it out in Jesus' name. I want to really encourage you this week to do something, something active as a result of this. Um, try and perhaps um, uh, deal with something that seeks to distract you or continue to follow you. And uh, uh, I don't know what that, that means, but uh, like take some action to deal with that, to, to, to put that to death. And then take some action to lay hold of the new life. Maybe it's, it means starting daily, spending some time with God. Uh, perhaps it's, it's start learning how to read a book or uh, listening to our daily devotions that we've been doing or, or start praying regularly or worshipping just to lay hold of that new nature that Jesus has for us in order to live that out. He has already made you new and he wants you to fully grow in that newness because he loves you so much. He's got nothing else for you. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by this. There will be so much more to say. Uh, we are going to continue uh, what, this theme over this coming week in our daily devotion series. So you can find us on YouTube, uh, uh, Life Church Peterborough, and we are going to continue to unpack this further throughout the week. So every day there's a new upload. You can use it. I want to really encourage you to make the most of that.